Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. I'm David Cook, your host, and today I am flying solo. Um, so uh, let's make let's have some fun with this. I have a very interesting topic uh, today. We are going to dive into a topic that I think it um, basically touches every aspect of our lives, especially um, since COVID and just on into into the present day. It's the art of reacting versus responding to events, conversations, comments, and the news, just in general. You know, I was kind of thinking about this. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where your immediate reaction left you with regrets? You responded to something or reacted to something. You go, ah, people you know, shut you down, got mad at you, people that were hurt feelings, whatever. Or maybe you witnessed the power of a well-thought-out response and the positive impact that it had. And you go, gosh, I wish I could do that. Or maybe you found yourself getting all worked up. You get on Facebook or Instagram, or uh, maybe you're watching something on the news and you're like, gosh, you know, I feel like I just got to do something, but you don't know what to do or you don't trust yourself because you just think it's going to blow up or it's going to go bad or something you say is going to leave somebody hurt and disappointed. So you just kind of check out. Well, if you have any of those things and you're just feeling like your emotions are on edge sometimes when we're engaged in conversation or we read something or we hear something, you're in the right place because this episode is all about exploring the difference between reacting and responding and why it matters now more than ever because mastering the skill will help transform your life your relationships and it'll also help you with your personal emotional and physical health you know it's funny as i was thinking about uh, the subject and i was thinking about how you know where in the world this came how this popped into my head if you will and really, you know, we'll talk about um, a couple, we'll use the the triggers for me as I'm creating this a subject after the break when I refer to them. But it's basically because there were some very hardly charged topics and issues in the news over the last couple of weeks. And I'm just watching the emotional energy that people are putting into the, the news stories and the comments on social media and the way people are talking about them personally and stuff like that. Um, you know, the environment is norm has lately been normally brutal and toxic, but um, what I've experienced over the last couple, three weeks as it relates to these news stories, it's, it's higher than ever. And the more intense somebody says, um, responds to something, the more reactive the commentary back. And it's just like it's incendiary, it explodes. And so I just thought, you know, maybe this discussion about reacting and responding is timely because it really addresses the overall challenge and demands in the world today. And when we learn how to respond as opposed to react, um, we have an opportunity. Uh, this subject has an opportunity to bring valuable insight and strategies for us to help us manage the stress of those issues. It actually helps us protect and enhance our relationships. And it also helps us make better decisions as it relates to how we how we do it, and especially relevant to the way things are today. You know, the cancel culture and uh, shutting people down and the, the group attack mentality and stuff like that. You know, it just, 
you know, it's a shame that we are at that place today in society where we um, we pick sides and we choose sides and we surround ourselves with people we agree with and we attack the people we don't agree with or we we just get in that situation. It just it, it, it's unfortunate because I think a lot of times we have an, and we've this is what this show is all about. We have a tremendous opportunity to learn from other people. We have a tremendous opportunity to learn from the people that we don't understand. Um, we have a tremendous opportunity to learn from the people that we probably don't philosophically agree with right now, because what they do is they're bringing a different set of beliefs and experiences um, and perspectives in, into the situation. And when we shut them down or we ostracize them or we cancel them or we tell them that they're wrong, what we've done is we've just eliminated this opportunity to find common ground, to find this area where we can learn and understand from each other and collaborate. And we, you know, I've been, this is my 45th episode. You've heard this message many times and it's a message. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm so determined to keep driving that home. If I, and if I sound like Dave, the parrot, I apologize, but David, the parrot goes, we can do this. We can do better. And there's one of the things that that's the key to doing it better is learning how not to react but to learn how to respond. And that's what this show is going to be. This episode is going to be about is let's understand what reacting looks like. Let's understand what response responses look like. And let's talk about how we avoid getting sucked into a reaction and how we can find our way to navigate to a healthy response to the situation. And the reason that I'm, I'm so big on this besides, you know, what I just told you is, is that, you know, there's a, when we learn to have healthy responses, when we learn to bring some sort of, um, what would you call it, uh, a fire extinguisher to a fire, you know, if we learn how to do this, um, you know, we, we already live in a highly charged environment. Stress and uncertainty are extremely high. People are just wired, man. We're wired to explode right now. It's, it doesn't take much. And these stressors lead to impo in impulsive reactions. And it's now more than ever, we need thoughtful responses. Now more than ever, we need people who can bring peace to the tension, wherever it is, whatever it is. We don't need more people fighting. We more need more peacemakers. We need to get back to healthy engagement. There was a time, you know, obviously I'm showing my age and I sound like, you know, like, I remember when. But you know what? There was a time. There was a time where we could disagree and still have conversations. We could disagree and still have lunch. We could disagree and still hang out. And I feel like right now we're, you know, in fact, I even listened to, you know, I remember, um, I wish I could remember the politician who wrote a book it was like 30 years ago. But he said, there used to be a time where um, the legislature, Congress would socialize together. They would, yeah, sure, they would argue and scream and yell at each other and backbite and do all the things that they do in the Capitol Rotunda on the, in, in the floor of the House or the Senate. But at night, they would, they would socialize. They'd go out to dinner and they'd, and they'd share community and food and they'd come together because they respected each other as humans who had a disagreement, not people who, you know, we just didn't like. And now today it's like they don't they don't interact. They they hang with their crowd and they hang with their group. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now more than ever, we need that. And the other reason why we need to get back to healthy conversations is social media is killing us. Social media gives us license to throw out any bomb we want anywhere we want. 
without consequence. So we can say crazy, incendiary, even untruthful, hurtful things, and there's no there's no consequences because we can do it. We can hide behind the the keyboard and we can say what we want to say and do what we want to do without any responsibility to the impact it has on others. So, you know, it's just now more than ever, we need to find ways to bring peace to those conversations. And then the other reason why this is important is that, you know, I mentioned health earlier, but speaking about healthy conversations, it just has to do with our own mental and physical, emotional health. When we find ourselves getting charged up, we get reactive, we lean in, we get pissed off, we get frustrated, we get angry, we start fighting. There's no positive energy that comes from that. It, our blood pressure goes up, our heart rate goes up, um, our mind spins with craziness, and, and it's just not good for our overall health and well-being. And so finding ways to learn how to respond or completely either whether it's partially engaged or completely disengaged, whatever it is, finding ways not to react, not to get sucked in is just good for us. Finding ways to have healthier dialogue is just good for us emotionally, physically, spiritually. So that, that's where I'm going for is, is, you know, that's why I think it's important. And then kind of, you know, looking, going a little deeper into this whole thing is, um, Let's talk a little bit about what what we get when we can, you know, those are reasons why, I guess. And so I was thinking, like, what do we get when we have um, healthy responses as opposed to engage in this warfare known as reactive activity? First of all, it helps redefine the outcomes that we have when it comes to conflict resolution. When we're at each other's throats, when we're hangling and harangueing, arguing about stuff, or we're not even in talking at all, we're dismissing people because they're stupid or wrong or ignorant or mean or nasty or ugly, doesn't matter, whatever words there are, when we do that, we're not solving any problems. And if we go into a and we go into a situation at work, or we go into a situation in our families, or we go into a situation in our social interactions, whether it's church or school or something that we're passionate about and we're arguing and fighting, um, it doesn't help us. But it, it, so what happens is if we learn to have healthy conversation, it can redefine the outcomes when it comes to those conflicts. How do we navigate and find a solution in situations where solution is difficult? Solution is impossible if we all decide that all we want to do is fight and react or we get sucked into the reactive mode. A conflict resolution is possible when we find a way to respond thoughtfully and in, 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 in a way that encourages people. The other thing it does is it helps us improve or heal maybe fractured relationships. You know, hurt people hurt people. And we've heard that saying before. I don't necessarily think is I just think people hurt people. Um, but, you know, we, there's times where when they say, well, they do it, I can do it. Um, they did it first. I can do it. They go. So, you know, of course, I sound like the Congress people now. You know, people in Congress they say, "Well, they did it first. It's like, well, that doesn't make it right. If something is wrong, find a way to do something. If something was done in a way that you thought was inappropriate, find a way to do it differently or better. And that requires us to respond in a way that's healthy, as opposed to react in similar ways. So when we learn to do something in a thoughtful, constructive, healing sort of mentality, it gives us an opportunity, gives us potential to improve or heal fractured relationships. Also, too, you know, life is moving pretty quickly. <laughs> There's a lot of things happening fast. Um, and I think that that's one of the big struggles that people are having is, is that 
the world as we knew it, you know, especially for me, you know, my age, the world as I knew it 50 years ago is a lot different than the world I knew today. And there's a lot more things going on. And we talked a little, you talked earlier a little bit about technology and social media. There's the, there's the, there's the movement, there's a, a freedom movement um, that challenges people's comforts, they challenge their beliefs, but it's happening. It's a movement that's, that it, it, it's occurring. You can't stop change. Um, and you can't prevent change and you can't force people to do things that they're not prepared to do. And we are re all resistant, naturally resistant to change. And there's some change that we don't agree with. There's some change that we don't understand. But in, but to react to it in a way that says, I'm not doing it. I'm not going there. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. What that does is that's a reactive behavior that really limits our ability to adapt or grow into that change. Some changes are not going to be stopped. And so learning how to accept or adapt or adjust to those things requires that we have a better understanding of ourselves and the, and the movement itself that's creating that change. And that requires us to have more of a thoughtful response to them and, 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 and understand that better. <clears throat> The other thing that um, really shifting from a reactive behavior to a responsive behavior is that it really helps us with our decision-making skills. It helps bring clarity to the process, our decision-making process or our thought process. When we're in that highly emotional state, we're charged up, we're amped up, we're in disagreement, we're in fight or flight mode, um, our ability to think clearly um, is limited because we are we are thinking emotionally. We are responding to things, you know, things from the emotional energy that we're putting into it. So if the emotional energy is anger, fear, doubt, um, we're fighting, we're whatever it is, the clarity, the, the thought process is clouded by a negative emotional energy. You know, years ago I learned a thing about. Um, um, and emotions, and then there were there were two kinds of emotions, and one of the emotions was you know you come to something with your with your fist clenched and your head down and you're 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 in fight mode. You want to you know it's fear, doubt, worry, anger, and what you're doing is you're fighting, and what it does is that in your fighting you're also blocking things, and it's the you have the potential in that fight mode to block things that actually can help you because you're so busy fighting, you can't see good from bad. You can't see constructive from other because you're fighting everything. And then they talk about the other kind of emotions where your hands are open and you're in receiving mode. What you're saying is, what do I need to learn? What do I need to understand? What do I need to discover? What do I need to explore? What do I need to receive? And when you're doing that, it's an it's 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 an uncomfortable position because you're letting go. But what you're doing is you're releasing the scent, the need to control and win, to, to engage in a, what we would call learn and discover, and the stuff that needs to get through that can help you can find you now because you're receiving it, and you can sort out the stuff that you're struggling with, and you can sort you know see the stuff that actually helps you learn and engage and understand. And it just gives you an opportunity in the decision-making process and your thought process to find clarity, to find guidance, to find structure, to find peace. So, you know, that's that's the difference between reactive and responsive is that fight mode or receiving mode. And then the other opportunity that, you know, really engaging in uh, thoughtful responses as opposed to, you know, getting into that, into that um, 
reactive mode, we did, we already talked about it. It has the ability, the potential doesn't, nothing's ever guaranteed in life, but it has the ten, the potential to diffuse tense situations. You know, when you're, when you engage in the fight and you participate in the fight, you know, the only place that fight can go is up. It can only escalate. You think of those scenes in the movies, you know, where one guy gets mad and he punches another guy and the guy who got punched's buddy then punches somebody. And then that guy's buddy's buddy punches somebody. Next thing you know, you have a barroom brawl. Well, how did that barroom brawl start? It started with two guys getting pissed off at each other, but it ended up with a whole bunch of people taking sides and fighting each other. It, it blew up. Somewhere in there, there was a peacemaker who got lost or somewhere there was a peacemaker who didn't figure out how to, you know, didn't know how to diffuse the situation. Maybe they couldn't have diffused the situation. But what happened was the emotionally charged situation exploded into a big fight. And so I think when we learn how to bring peace and structure and thought and control to to a, a, an intense situation, um, yes, it's still the fight still may go on, but the potential to bring reason to irrationality exists, provided we make a commitment that that's where we're at. And we don't get sucked into the fight. So in summary, you know, as we proceed forward, reacting can be dangerous. It lead, just leads to impulsive behaviors. It leads to emotional outcomes. It leads to what I would call ill-considered actions or decisions. It harms relationships. It hinders problem solving. It has long lasting negative consequences in various aspects of your life. Hurt friends, lost friends, lost jobs, lost opportunities, scars, pain. Learning to respond thoughtfully and consciously is essential to avoiding some of those risks because they make help us make more constructive choices and it encourages or invites other people to participate in that kind of activity. So, you know, that's that's what I really that's why this is so I'm just so passionate about this is we we have to at some point in time stop participating in the fight. We have to, at some point in time, make a commitment to ourselves that we're going to find a way to not participate in reactive behaviors, but to find ways to discover how to engage in responsive activities that lead to different outcomes. And that's what this show is about. You know, I spent 20 minutes teeing up the show, but that's what this, this episode is about, is to talk a little bit about how do we engage in more responsive ways and how do we avoid getting sucked into a reactive activity. Make sense? You guys ready to explore? You know, I'm already like 10 minutes from break, but anyway. A reaction. What is a reaction? A reaction is immediate, instinctive response to a stimulus or uh, situation or event. It typically occurs, you know, without much thought or deliberation. It just happens. Um, reactions can encompass a wide range of behaviors, emotions, and physical responses. You know, I, I I will be the first guy to admit, um, it you know my my fuse can sometimes be really short. I'm shorter with the people that I probably wish I was longer with. Um, when I'm in a in a situation societally, I can probably be very deliberate, very intentional. When I'm at home, I can be very short with my wife. I can be very short with my kids. Um, 
probably because I'm not as conscious about the impact of it. Um, so, you know, it, it happens. Then um, the trick is, is to understand, you know, why it happens, how it happens and how to change the outcome. But they can be influenced by instincts, emotions, past experience, cur- current circumstances. It's a hodgepodge. Anything can trigger a reaction. And a, that's what a reaction is, is it's just it's it's a trigger. <laughs> Something happens and you go into this mode. They're involuntary and they're they're they can be both voluntary and involuntary. An involuntary reaction is an automatic response. It happens without even with a moment of conscience control. That's kind of like, you know, I was triggered. Somebody says something, you yell bite back. Um, a reflex action. Uh, like touching a hot surface is, our, is an involuntary reaction. Somebody says something the wrong way and you just snap at them, flip them the bird. They cut you off in the car. You know, you, you honk back or you scream at them. Those are involuntary reactions. It just happens. A voluntary reaction is um, some, some degree of conscious decision making. They say something, you're like, that pisses me off. And you still go forward. That's voluntary. You choose to engage. Um, and so, you know, that can, that can happen. It can happen relatively quickly. It goes fast, but it still happens. It's voluntary. You made a choice to respond, react in a certain way with certain consequences associated with it. Um, in the context of our discussions about reacting versus responding, a reaction often refers to a quick emotional response to a situation. It probably doesn't involve a thorough assessment of the circumstances or careful consideration of the consequences, right? You just kind of like say, you know, this guy's an idiot and I'm going to tell him so. And then you go, oh, that really. And then you realize after the fact, the cat's out of the bag, the genie's out of the bottle. You go, oh, um, that wasn't all that smart. That wasn't all that bright. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. But it doesn't matter. Reacting sometimes lead to impulsive actions. Um, expressions of emotions that we may regret. It is what it is. A response, on the other hand, is um, a more thoughtful and intentional uh, behavior. It's the way we engage to a, in a, to a stimulus situation or event. Unlike reactions, a response, um, which occurs impulsively without conscious consideration, a response is more delivered deliberate. It's more considered. We take a moment and we take a moment. It's a cautious moment. It's not a reckless moment. You know, like I said before, the voluntary response is I hear it. This is how I feel about it. And I react to the response. This one says, I hear it. I see it. This is how I feel about it. What's the best way to respond? What, 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 what should I do? See, there's a thought, there's a, there's a step in the process. So when someone responds, they take time to, res- to process information. They take a moment, assess the situation, and make a conscious decision about how they're going to respond to it. So characteristics of um, responses, I've, I've already mentioned them, but one is thoughtfulness. Two is emotional regulation, right? We dial it down. Three is we consider the consequences. What are our options? What are the consequences? What are my choices here? The fourth one is effective communication. It's it's the way we say what we say. You know, screw you <laughs> is a is a voluntary reaction that doesn't have isn't very effective other than you're just telling somebody to piss off. Right. But an effective communication says interesting thought. 
um, here's where I'm struggling or help me understand. That's that's effective communication because now you're trying to engage. You're trying to bring the energy level down and you go into a learning mode. And also, too, the other thing about a response that's really important is it's flexible and it's adaptable. It's, it creates a willingness in yourself to say, I know this is what I believe. I know this is how I feel. I know this is what I would desire to say, but I'm going to step back and I'm going to spend a little time learning to see maybe if what I believe, how I believe it, why I believe it can't be slightly influenced by this position. That's kind of what that is. So when you look at, you know, characteristics of a, of a, of a thought, of a response, it's thoughtfulness. We think it through. Emotional regulation, we detach, we dial it down. We consider the consequences. What are my options? We communicate effectively. We don't add fire to the fire. We don't add gas to it. And we're flexible and adaptable. What can I learn here? Is there something that maybe I can discover in the process? A, a, a thoughtful response helps us out. Funny thing is, as I was writing this out and sorting this all out, I came up with an acronym by accident. This is hysterical because I was writing it down. But when I came up with basically six steps, my behavioral keys to to defining how I engage in healthy responses is, first of all, I step back. I see something that triggers me as like makes me mad. And I, if I have an opportunity to recognize it makes me mad, I step back. And immediately I organize my thoughts and emotions. What's going on here with me? What am I thinking, feeling? And the next thing is, is I make sure that I detach. I remove myself from the tension of this situation because I don't want to be in it. I need to be outside of it to see it for what it is. And that's the next thing is, is I take time to explore the bigger, broader picture. And in, in exploring the bigger, broader picture, I five, the fifth step is I engage in developing a better understanding of what's going on. I actually ask questions. I ask questions in my head. What are you thinking? What assumptions are you making? What judgments are you making here? But at the same time, I'm engaging and say, hmm, what do I need to learn that I don't understand now? Or what do I need to, to understand about what they're trying to say or what their intent is or something like that? And then the last step is determining what my response, if any, will be to the situation. So in essence, this is cute. I'm kind of happy, happy. I'm doing a happy dance. I don't know if you will be doing it with me. But in essence, I'm getting sorted. S-O-R-T-E-D. I step back. That's my S. I organize my thoughts and emotions. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? You know, Why do I feel this way? I remove myself from the tension of the existing situation. I get out of it. Right? That's the R. T, I take time to explore a broader, bigger picture. I look at it from a, so now that I've stepped back, I can see the whole landscape or I can see more of the landscape. And then the E of sorted is engage. I engage in learning and thinking in a thought process that says, hmm, what do I need to know, learn, and understand that I don't right now? And then D is I determine after going through that whole process, you know, I'm, you know, all dialed down, what's my response? How am I going to respond to this, if at all? Because there may be some situations, say, that I don't see any path to having a healthy conversation. So when we come back from break, we're going to talk a little bit more 
about the specific news situations and how I used my sorted, how I got sorted to kind of stay out of it or engage in it. Um, stay tuned. We'll be back after this break. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope, and according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. Good afternoon and welcome back. This is David Cook with the second half of this episode on reacting versus responding. And um, just a quick recap. The reason we're doing this uh, more than anything else is, like I said, I'm going to talk about these two news stories and dive into it a little bit. I'm going to do the easy, fun one first, and then the very complicated, emotionally charged second one. Um, secondly, and the reason I'm saving the tough one for last is that I'm hoping at this point in time, you will understand how to respond. And so you won't get triggered by some of the things I share on that on that segment. But you know, we, the reason that the go just a quick review. The reason that we're focusing on this is because we're, we're just we're just getting sucked into battles. We're getting sucked into arguments, or we're completely avoiding arguments because we don't know how to, how to have them. And I think that that's so we're avoiding we're avoiding having what could be healthy conversations because we're terrified of getting into conversations that we believe are just going to blow up. And as a result, what's happening is, is what all we're doing is fighting. All we're doing is arguing. All we're doing is throwing flame on, uh, on fire, gasoline on fires that already exist. And as a result, nothing gets solved. If anything, things get worse. We become more divided, more frustrated, more um, uh, mentally distressed, 
and emotionally distressed. It just somewhere in this time in our society, we have got to say, I got to step in, but I need to learn, know how to step in with a healthy response in a way that I can change the dialogue that we're having. That's my commitment. That's my message to you. And so I'm just saying, let's do this. And so that's that's what we were talking about. And when, before we took a break, I kind of I shared a little acronym that says, let's talk about how we can best engage in a re healthy response as opposed to a toxic uh, reaction. And the healthy response was um, an acronym that I created was sorted is, is like, you know, you hear something, see something, experience something, step back, get out of it first. And then organize your thoughts and emotions. How do I feel about this? What am I feeling and, and why am I feeling this way, et cetera, et cetera. So you can understand internally what's going on. And then the next step is to remove myself completely from the tension of the existing situation. Okay, now that I understand where I'm at, what I'm feeling, why I'm feeling it, you know, all that stuff, I kind of dial it down. It's like, okay, good. I need to park that somewhere so that I can now, T, take time to explore the bigger, broader picture. What's going on here? What what is really going on here? What what is what do I see? What am I you know? What's going on? And then E is the engage in developing a better understanding of what's going on. Ask some questions. Explore. Learn. Try to understand what's in the message. What's in the news? What's in the story? What's in the situation? And then the last step is D of sorted is determine what how I'm going to engage. How am I going to respond if at all? And you know what's the what's the outcome I seek to accomplish with that? So that's it. Sorted. Step back. Organize. Remove. Take time. Engage. Determine. There you got it. So anyway, um, the first one's kind of fun. I'm I'm, I'm saying it chuckle chuckle because it's kind of fun because um, you know I don't I haven't shared this little this little tidbit, but I know that I have friends who are listening to this episode. And, you know, for the last six weeks or so, there's been a you know big story in the news about um, sign stealing and Michigan football and all that other stuff. And there's a whole lot of stories being leaked and and, you know, that um, uh, the background, the background story, just so you get it, is, is that one of the people on the staff um, developed a very intricate system for um, stealing other team sign and uh, was able to use that information, um, provide that information to the coaching staff in game situations so that, you know, they could actually anticipate what plays the other, the opponents were running. Uh, it wouldn't be a big deal in, in the sense that, you know, they were successful in doing it because everybody's always trying to figure out what plays their teams are running. Everybody always likes to know what's going on. So they've always tried to figure out signs and they study film to see tendencies and, and that kind of stuff. But there's a clear rule that says you can't do that work in a game, in another opponent's game on site in advance. That's that's a that's a break of the rules. And so there's there's you know, there's been this whole big discussion about the fact that um, Michigan's football has benefited from that sign stealing stuff. And a lot of news stories leaked that how they're doing it and who did it and it's a given and all that stuff. But the problem was, the problem is there's an investigation going on and a lot of people are drawing conclusions that this guy knew and because this guy knew, the staff knew and there and stuff like that. But at this point in time, there's an, an investigation going on and nobody really has the exact information. I, I, and again, the way I presented the story, I have reason to believe the guy was a, probably did do it. 
Um, but at the same time, the way he did it, you know, I could make a, a personally could make an argument, you know, one way or another. But there's been all this dialogue going on. It's like, wow, he's cheating, blah, blah, blah. They need to they need. And what ended up happening at the end of the end of the week last week, after six weeks of all this noise and press leaks and people howling and hollering and creating a whole bunch of stores and everybody had an opinion on Michigan cheating and all that other stuff is that, you know, finally, the Big Ten, um, the commissioner of the Big Ten. 10 suspended Michigan's football coach um, as a penalty for this this scheme. The funny thing is, is, is that he even says there isn't proof that the coach knew about this scheme. He just feels like they need to punish him because. And I'm going like, interesting. So anyway, as there's all this dialogue is going on, I'm going, okay, people stop. Because what was happening is they were drawing conclusions. And I was trying to like bring perspective in it because, you know, but I was I was seen as a guy that was participating in defending the school. And I'm going, no, I'm not defending the school. What I am encouraging is let's step back and talk about what we do know for fact and what we are assuming to be true um, from there. And until somebody says that. This happened. Here's the proof. 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 Um, I don't know that it was is, is appropriate for anybody to be punished because we really don't know who did what other than we believe this guy had this very good scheme. Um, and so anyway, that it just triggered because I was watching this stuff. I'm like, man, there's a lot of people drawing conclusions. One plus one is not three. Two plus two is not six. And I was kind of getting a kick out of all the dialogue that was going on is because some people were defending the coach which is nice because you want to defend your coach. And some people are hanging the coach because you hate the school or you whatever. And what was really going on, and I don't think people even realized what was going on, was it was emotional reactions to a situation for which they had no understanding. Because what is missing in this whole thing was the facts. And um, now we can suppose the facts, we can ascertain the facts, but the reason that we believe we have facts is because people are leaking stories of, but they're not leaking the information that justifies the, the assumption. So that's not a fact, that's a belief. We've had a show on fact and belief. You can believe it to be true, but until you can prove it to be true, it's not a fact. And so I was just was thinking like, gosh, you know, it'd be really be nice if the guys, you know, the talking heads on TV set an example and said, step back. Here's what we know. Here's what we don't know. And if this turns out to be true, here's what I believe needs to happen. But instead they go, this is what needs to happen now because. And they didn't have the information. I was thinking like, you know, this is a great example of a bunch of people getting into a reactive conversation about something instead of finding a way to have a healthy response to it. And it became incendiary. And it got to the point where this is Dave's opinion, and you guys can share your opinion with me anytime you want, that the Big Ten commissioner suspended the coach inappropriately because he doesn't have all the information and it wasn't time to do that. And also too, it was just, you know, it was, it was unprecedented, but he got caught up in the firestorm of people expecting him to do something and they expected him to respond, but instead he chose to react. He could have said, Hey guys, Hey people, I hear you. I see you. I understand. 
but we're still investigating. We're still trying to draw conclusions. We're trying, still trying to figure this out. We haven't made a determination. It is not time to make a determination. Instead, he said, it is time to punish somebody for what we believe to be true, even though we can't prove it to be true. And I think that that really, you know, says it all is that that we in the in the in the in the situation of the moment, we did not see a responsive behavior. We saw a reactive behavior. And and that's what I just thought, you know, I mean, you guys can disagree with me. You know, we can talk that out all day long. Um, but that's that's one of the reasons I thought this would be kind of fun to talk about this, because in my mind, I was watching this unfold before our very eyes. So the other one, like I would say, this is a, this is a little bit different, and I want I'm going to want to be really clear because I uh, I'm a, I would like to encourage people to have those who might be triggered by my words. I'm going to try to be careful with my words, but if you if you find yourself being triggered by my words, step back and you know say what am I feeling? Why am I feeling then? What do I need to understand? What do I need to think about the sorted here? So over the last couple of weeks, it's it's a tragic mess in the Middle East. It's a tragic mess in the Middle East. Um, people are killing each other. And, I, and I'm, I'm quite frankly, me being honest about this, I'm less interested about who did it first and who did it second and who's perpetuating it than the fact is that there are a whole bunch of people who for thousands of years have found a way not to get along that have decided that the only way to respond to the situation is to kill each other. That's my opinion. It's sad. It's disappointing. But here's the, the challenge that I have is, is that, and um, and I had Hawaita um, Araf on my show back in, in June, and we talked about how she was trying to educate people from her perspective, her experiences, her point of view, how she sees the Palestinian situation. And the only reason that I brought her on the show is because she was in the news in Detroit um, sharing that information, and it created a huge firestorm for a whole bunch of people who labeled her message a certain way. And when I had her on the show, she says, that was not my intent of my message, but that's what people heard. That's how people reacted to it, as opposed to how they responded, how she wanted them to respond to it. So when I look at the Middle East situation, and this is, again, this is the Dave, David Cook sit response to it. When I look at the Middle East situation, I am not I am the last person that I am is anti-Semitic. My best friend forever in high school, the person that I love probably third or fourth in the whole more in the whole world is Jewish. I don't care that she's Jewish. I just love her for who she is. Okay, so it doesn't matter to me that she's Jewish, but she is. And it doesn't change how I feel about her. It doesn't change how I look at her. In fact, if anything, I want to understand her faith and her perspectives and her beliefs and her values because those are dear to her. And the only reason I know they're dear to her is because we talk about this stuff all the time. I don't avoid Jewish people. I don't hate Jewish people. I don't judge Jewish people. I don't judge people for their religion unless they jam it in my face and tell me that my belief is wrong. Then I have have an issue because it's like you're telling me that I'm wrong because of what my, I believe. Everybody is free to believe what they believe. And so their last thing I am is anti-Semitic. However, I have been told by the things that I read and the conversations that I've had, if I'm anti-Zionist, I automatically am anti-Semitic. And I struggle with that. And the reason that I struggle with that is, is that I believe 
my personal belief is there has got to be a better way to have created a, 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 a nation known as Israel than uprooting a bunch of people who had who also share that land and forcing them to be in a country that they don't want to be part of or creating an environment where they have to, I don't know, collaborate, cohabitate in a way that they feel oppressed and, and, and displaced. So, yes, I am absolutely positively anti-Zionist, but I'm told now that because I'm anti-Zionist, I am anti-Semitic. No, I'm not. There's a clear and subtle difference between the two. And so, you know, when I talk, when I think about how I'm going to engage in this conversation, this is the first time publicly I've shared this information. And the only reason that I'm sharing this information publicly is because I know, because nobody's called in yet, 888-346-9141, 888-346-9141. Nobody's called in to say, Dave, you're nuts. Or Dave, I disagree. Or Dave, you've made me mad. Okay. But the reason that I'm doing this now and today is because I want to share this is that I, you know, in when I go through the sorted, I, you know, sit in the situation, I think it out. What do I see? What do I observe? Well, you know, what is my response? You know, how do I engage? How do I learn? What I've decided is there isn't probably a safe place for me to engage in a conversation like this because everybody has taken a side. Everybody has taken a side. It just feels like that. I can't find a place to have a healthy conversation about this. And I can't find a place to have a healthy conversation about this because if I say I'm anti-Zionist, which I would, I'm going to own that. Judge me for it. Criticize me for that. Okay, we can talk about why I'm anti, why I have those beliefs. But when you tell me that I'm automatically anti-Semitic because of that, that hurts me because that's not true. That shows a lack of understanding. And I understand when you look in Wikipedia and you sort that out stuff out, it says they they go hand in hand. Most people say you can't have both in a one and, you have to have both and. I disagree. Philosophically for me, I disagree. It doesn't work for me in my heart. It doesn't work for me in my head. So if we want to talk about that, we have to be willing to go through the sorted process. You have to be, you need to be able to come to me with a conversation that says, I am going to dial it down. I'm going to be in a place where um, I can step back. I can organize my thoughts and emotions. I can control them. I can remove myself emotionally from some of the things that, that we're, we're trying to talk about. And I can take a moment to explore and see a bigger picture beyond my view. And I can engage with you, Dave, in developing a better understanding of what's going on, going on. And then I can determine in that space how we are going to talk it out. That's what this is about. So, yeah, I've declared my position. And you're, if, depending where you're at, you're going, yeah, Dave, thanks for speaking your truth. And you're a whole bunch of other people, Dave, you really pissed me off. You've really hurt me. And I'm sorry that I have. But that is, you know, so the, to remind you, that is really a reactive behavior at this point in time because it doesn't help you and me have a conversation about what I believe. It doesn't help um, you and me to have a conversation about what you believe. What we're doing is we're sitting in a situation where the reaction becomes the determinant of the outcome. 
And I'm a firm believer that that's not where it needs to end, that we need to find a way to respond to what I shared with what I believe. How can we have dialogue around this so that we can understand each other? We may not agree. We may never agree. That's not the point. The point is that we can have a dialogue around something as incendiary as the Middle East crisis, because it's been going on forever. There is no, to me, I don't see a path to, 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 to peace. Sadly, that's my conclusion based on, you know, things that I've studied, things that I've read, just historically the, the way the situation is. But that doesn't mean we can't start somewhere. And we can start with the people that hear us say what we believe, why we believe it, how it influences our choices, decisions, and behavior. And you can get sorted and say, hmm, let me think about this. Let me think about how I feel about it. Let me think about how I am going to dial down my my emotional reactions to it so that I can engage in learning and understanding and discovering what it is that drives where you're at so that I can determine and define how we are going to navigate life through this. That's what this is about. So we can react all day long to anything. We can call them stupid, irresponsible. We can name call. We can label. You can put me in a box. You can do all those things. But when you do that stuff, all you're doing, all you're doing, all you're doing is engaging in reactive behaviors that prevents anything from getting better. And if anything, if you lob something into that, the chances are whatever you're lobbing in from a from a uh, from a, a highly charged emotional state is incendiary. It's not really going to dial it down. It's only going to amp it up because you're going to put people on defensive. You're going to make them angry. You're going to hurt them. Or you might get them to eject, which is fine. If they deject, that means that the fight ends. But that doesn't mean the problem is solved. So I'm just saying is that let's try to find a way. Instead of reacting to situations, find a way to engage in responsive discussions about the things that are going on. That's what this show is. This episode is all about. Get sorted. Figure it out. Because the last thing we need is more unhappy people fighting with each other when we realize that we're part of a we're part of a gigantic thing called the human race. We're all the same in some way. We have a head, we have two hands, we have two feet, we have a heart, we have a soul, we have a mind, we have feelings, we have passion, we have emotions, we have beliefs. We have a desire to be loved, we have a desire to be connected, we have a desire to be in community. That's common to all of us. We're not different. The billions and people, billions of people on this earth are not different at its core. Where we're different is how we come into this world with our experiences, our beliefs, our thoughts, our opinions, the way we were raised, how we were raised, the traumas that we've experienced. Okay, so we bring different things to the party. But that's what makes our journey, each one of our individual journeys so special is because we have something that we can share with somebody else. We have something that we can give to somebody else. And we have something that we can receive from somebody else. 
But in order to do that, we need to come there with our arms open. Remember at the beginning, there's two kinds of behaviors. We can either come in with our head down, our fist clenched, and we're going to fight through it. And we're blocking everything, even the opportunity to learn, the opportunity to love, the opportunity to receive. Or we could step into it with this idea, say, I'm going to embrace peace, even in the chaos. Even in the chaos, I'm going to embrace peace. I'm going to find ways to learn, discover, understand, be at peace, because there's something here for me that I can gain provided I allow myself the space and create the space for me to receive it. It's that simple. So you can react, you can respond, and make things better, make things worse. It's up to you. But I'll tell you right, right now, that's what this show is about. That's what this episode is about. I'm going to continue. You know, it sounds like I'm preaching, and that's one of the things I didn't want to do in the show because it's a stop telling. So you guys are going, Dave, stop telling. I got it. I got it. I'm done telling. I love you guys. I love my audience. I love my fellow man. Some of them really piss me off. And when they do, I have to recognize why they piss me off. What am I feeling when they're upsetting me? What my emotions are as I'm relating for it? How do I step back and greet them with something other than my anger or my disappointment or my hurt? How do I show them my love, my patience, my acceptance? And then how do I take time to invest in learning and understanding who they are, where they are, why they're there, so that I can now find a way to engage them from a place of healthy, constructive understanding and dialogue? Wouldn't it be a great place if we made more commitments to embrace that activity? I say yes. I think all of you would nod your head and say yes. Now the question is, how hard are you going to work at it to do it? And the other question is, are you in a position now where you're more prepared to get sorted, to recognize what's going on? So anyway, that's the episode for today. This is David Cook with Stop Telling and Start Listening. When I go solo, I really don't like it because I don't like monologuing. I don't like lecturing. I like engaging in learning conversations. But, you know, it just so happened that I didn't have a guest today. If you want to be a guest, you heard something today that you want to you know, engage in a conversation with me, you got my email. It's Dave at the cook group LLC.com. Dave at the cook group LLC.com. And cook is C O O K E. Anyway, until next week, this is David Cook. Remember, open your heart, open your ears, open your mind, open your eyes. Because once you start listening, everything changes. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week.